turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 31. We're going to look at the whole psalm this morning. And uh, it's a psalm about uh, refuge. Ask somebody this week, how's your week going? Man, it's wild. You ever responded that way? Wild? What, is, what does wild mean? Well, wild means it's just running faster than it normally is. It's just wild. I mean, I can't get it all done. There's so much to do. I need some sort of rest. Well, when I started thinking about the rest, well, there's a lot of us that need rest. Um, maybe it's because your life is wild and you need some rest. Maybe it's because it's not because it's so busy. It's just some wild stuff going on, um, like a school shooting or like um, a spouse that's looking at pornography or like kids that are sending inappropriate pictures or like bills that you can't pay or like pain that won't go away. There's all kinds of things that go on every week in this congregation like that that says, man, it's, I, I just need some rest. Well, I thought it's time to look at a psalm that uh, speaks to that once again. And this psalm, I called it a wildlife refuge because it's long and I was looking for some way to to remember it, and so I took the letter of the word, the first letter, of, or the next letter of the word refuge, and I saw that each section kind of lines up that way. The, the first uh, five verses, recline, so they use the R in refuge, recline into the hands of God. Uh, the next section, verses 6 through 8, enjoy, use the letter E, enjoy the comfort God gives there the next section verses 9 through 13 frame your situation the fourth letter urge you urge god's help verses 14 through 18 the next letter g give god the glory verses 19 through 22 and then verses 23 through 24 encourage others to do the the same now just think you don't it's hard it's easy to remember this if you just think linear just think progression you're coming to god I want to rest. I want to recline. I want to fall into the arms of God. So recline into the arms of God. When your life's wild and you need that rest or that recliner, that position, fall into the arms of God. Once you're there, the next section, enjoy the comfort that you find there. The third section, frame your situation. Tell God, God said, you know, why are you here today? Begin to describe your situation to God. Fourth, you, you move and say, I need help. Can you not see now that I've described the situation, I need help? God says, yeah, let me help you with that. Then you want to give God the glory. It's been so good to you. You want to encourage others to do the same. See, if, if you just think that way, you flow right through this song. This is the message God wants us to have, is this, that he is truly our refuge we know that we've just sung songs about resting in christ but as i was singing you know god did i really do that when i needed to every time this week did i really rest in you did i re uh, beginning with reclining into your hands let me just walk us through psalm 31 this morning so it can be a, a go-to psalm for you verses one through five recline into the hands of god let me read it in you O lord i have taken refuge clearly the thing god is our refuge 
Let me never be ashamed in your righteousness. Deliver me, incline your ear to me. Rescue me quickly. Be to me a rock of strength, a stronghold to save me. For you are my rock and my path, my fortress. For your name's sake, you will lead me and guide me. You will pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have ransomed me, O Lord, God of truth. You see, the first five verses begins, God's my refuge, in verse 5, and it's into his hands uh, that I want to be. I want to be reclined there for his grace, for his mercy. Um, sometimes, you know, we just need a hug. And perhaps we don't think about God providing that, but that's, that's what refuge means. I, I go to you and I just, I get your embrace. I'm in your hands. Reminded me, I was watching a little bit of golf yesterday when it was raining. I couldn't do what I wanted to do. And um, the 96 Masters, uh, some of you are old enough to remember that, but two, uh, two household names were, were playing for the championship at the Masters in 96. It was uh, Greg Norman and Nick Faldo. And Greg Norman was winning 32 holes straight. Faldo wins the last four holes and wins the tournament. And Nick Faldo is known, I think, to most of you now, if you ever watch any of that, he's the announcer, uh, as a real gentleman. And he was a real gentleman as he won that tournament. After winning the, this major golf tournament, you would expect him, to, as he putted that last putt, and he was the winner, to just go into oblivion with celebration. But instead... He was playing against one of his good friends, Greg Norman. And so as soon as he made that putt, he turned and he reached out and gave Greg Norman a very long, compassionate hug. And I thought, wow, that's so cool. That's what Norman needed right then. He needed someone to say, it's okay. I won, but I still love you. You're still my brother. You're still my friend. Um, and I thought so many times when we are in defeat, we don't have that hug. It's in those moments of defeat that we really need it the most. And we need to see our God wants to provide that for us in the times where we are down. We need that refuge. And realize we can get it from God without shame. Verse 1 says, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me not be ashamed. You ever say that? God, I don't want to be ashamed of this. I, when people say, where are, you, where are you going for strength in your defeat? What's going to keep you from hitting the bottom? I don't want to be ashamed to tell them, I'm going to you. God is my strength. God is my refuge. Don't let me be put to shame with that. Uh, deliver me in your righteousness. Righteousness is always the way to go. Don't let me be ashamed to tell others that. Verse 2, incline your ear. Listen, I need to be rescued. Be to me a rock of strength, a stronghold. Save me. God has that reputation. You are, verse 3, you're my rock, my fortress. Um, and in verse 4, pull me out of the net. It's like, I'm, I'm about to drown here or be captured here. Pull me out. Rescue me. That's the illustration he gives. Uh, just take care of me. Um, 
you know, uh, do you trust God to do all that? In the same way that you may trust a bank to take your money. Why do you trust a bank or a, a financial institution or some investment firm? Why, do you, why would you put any money in one of these places? Because you trust them to keep it secure. If they're not going to keep it secure, you're not going to put it there. The same way, do you trust God to secure you? If you would trust the bank, can you not trust God to, to secure you, to, to hold you, to capture you, to rescue you in your time of distress? Um, interesting, verse 5, it's wise to trust God. Verse 5, into your hand I commit my spirit. Where have you heard that? This is the psalm Christ used when he was on the cross. When Christ needed strength, when Christ needed a refuge, he cries out to God the Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. Quoting here from Psalm 31, verse 5. This was Christ's go-to psalm. That's why I think it's a great go-to psalm for us. When you feel like you're perishing and you need to be held, God is the one to go to. Reach out, say, into your hand, I need to fall. I need to recline. That's where I need to be in my pain, when I feel like I'm in the grip of Satan. I need to be pulled out. Um, it's not just trying harder. I don't just need to try harder. I just sometimes just need to rest, quit trying altogether. I, I need to be committed to someone else's care. And that's what a refuge is. That's what God is to us. Second section, once you're there, you're reclining into God's hand, verses 6 through 8, just enjoy that. Verse 6, I hate those who regard vain idols, but I trust in the Lord. So I'm going to quit enjoying all these worldly things that people long for, and I'm just going to enjoy God. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I will rejoice, verse 7, and be glad in your loving kindness. That's joy. I'm going to enjoy be glad in your loving kindness because you've seen my afflictions. You've known the troubles of my soul. You've not given me over to the hand of the enemy. You've set my feet in a large place. There's a lot there just to think about how, how really wonderful, how, how cool it is. Uh, the psalmist just said, you know, I, I just don't, I don't need to envy what other people have right now. I need to enjoy what God has right now. We remember going to um, Hilton Head on, on a family vacation trip, and as we turned on to I-95, uh, I could see as we came that straight away, something happening up above me, so I started slowing down. There was a guy filling up his car with gas. Obviously, he'd run, off, uh, run out of gas, and he was on the edge of the road. So, like, if that's the line, you know, he's that close to the, the white line filling up his car, and a few cars in front of me, somebody not wanting to get over, not wanting to slow down, just barely clipped the, uh, the, his garment. Didn't even cut him, but that close, he spun around, his head hit the pavement, and he died like that. So we put on the brakes and stopped there. The car in front of me went around, put on the brakes, guy out of that car got out, I got out of my car, and we picked this man up and took him off to the side of the road. 
everybody in his car gets out screaming, um, just could not believe what had happened. And there was this, I, the wife of the man who just passed away, and then her sister. Sister was just shaking the wife uncontrollably, saying, get a hold of yourself, get a hold of yourself, get a hold of yourself. And as I was hearing that, I thought, if ever there was a time to lose it, it's now. You know, and I just went over there and said, let me take this. And I just gave her a hug and just held her for a long time. And she just cried and shook. I said, this is not a time to get a hold of yourself. This is a time you need somebody else to get a hold of you. And be embraced and be comforted. Just enjoy this a minute until, you know, you can survive through this. Trust Jesus. And then I heard her begin to pray. And she said, yes, trust Jesus, trust Jesus. And God just began to take over her. There's times where we, we need to see, I, I just, in, in the, the worst way, I just need to rest in Jesus. I, you know, at that moment, she didn't need a nice car, did she? She didn't need a nice house. She didn't need a bank account. She didn't need the things of the world. She needed Jesus. She needed his love and his care. And there's times that's where we live. We need to say, I, Lord, I want to stop envying the things of this world. And I just want to rest in you. And I want to see how good that is. I want to see what that does for me. And that's what the psalmist was talking about. I want, I want to be, because of my affliction, I want to, to just rest in you. Verse 7, um, because you have seen my affliction, you've known the troubles of my soul. You know, we've all sometimes sung that song, nobody knows the troubles I've seen, nobody knows my sorrow. You know that's untrue, right? Sometimes we get there and we think it is true, that nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows my tr troubles. Nobody knows my pain. The psalmist says, that's not true. God, you have seen my afflictions. And you have known the troubles of my soul. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Love this passage. It just makes it really clear. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Great one to memorize. If you don't have it down, encourage it. It's just, it's just one of those go-to passages. Hebrews 4.13 begins by saying, No creature is hidden from his sight. No creature. All things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So God sees everything. All things are open and laid bare to his eyes. Just like the psalmist says, You, you have seen my affliction. You do know even my heart, my troubles. Verse 14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Why does he say this? Why does he say, I need to pray? The reason I need to pray is because I have a God who has seen and knows my affliction. So every time you hear Satan trying to convince you nobody knows what you're going through, you're, you just might as well suck it up. It's like, no, no, that's not true. 
There is someone who has seen my affliction. There's someone who knows my pain. There's someone not only who sees and knows, but he can sympathize with what I'm going to through, and to that one I go and pray. That's Jesus, my high priest. Um, that's where the psalmist is. I, I want to recline in God's hands. I want to enjoy being there because I am with someone who knows me well, knows what I'm going through, knows exactly what I need. Enjoy the comfort he gives. Then verse 8 of Psalm 31, And you have not given me over to the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a large place. I don't know what that place is. But what I do know is when he's just the imagery there. Um, he says the, the enemy's like closing in. He gives that in, in, uh, imagery of being in the net and God takes you out of the net. The imagery is, and it's the same imagery we have. There's times where this world seems to be squeezing me in, pushing me down. So if, when you feel like you're being squeezed, when you're being pushed, and then you get with God, then you feel like, Large place. I'm, I'm with someone who doesn't squeeze, someone who doesn't push, but someone who lets me breathe and rest and enjoy again. That's the imagery he's given us. And that's the way God always is to his children. He says, He gives us a place to breathe, a place where we're not in turmoil, a place where we can find rest. Verses 9 through 13, then the psalmist frames the situation. Says, okay, God, I'm, I'm with you now. You, you're giving me rest. Let me describe what's going on. Verses 9 through 13, be gracious to me, O Lord, for I'm in distress. My eye is wasted away from grief, my soul and my body also, for my life is spent with sorrow, my years with sighing, my strength has failed because of of my iniquity. It's a great insight there. I've got problems. There's a lot of enemies. There's lots of people around me squeezing and pushing, but I also have sin. It's not all their fault. Some of it's my fault. We need to always kind of look back at ourselves. No matter what we're going through, there's, there's typically some sin we need to deal with, not meaning that everything's our fault. But there's a lot that is, and the psalmist is, is willing to describe that part of his life as well. My strength has failed because of my sin, my iniquity. My body is wasted away. Verse 11, because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I am forgotten as a dead man, out of mind. I am a broken vessel. I have heard the slander of many. Terror on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they schemed to take away my life. Just like the world to kind of push us when we're down. Take advantage of us. He describes all of that. Yeah, I've sinned. I've messed up. But there's all this other stuff that's going around as well. And it's really getting me down. What's the psalmist doing? You remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? I think he's doing that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and, and let him begin to direct your path. That's what the psalmist is doing. He says, I'm trusting you, God, with this situation. Here, this is what it is. Lots of adversaries, lots of enemies, lots of slander, a lot of being pushed, a lot of being squeezed, 
A lot of people would like to take advantage of me. I have sin. I need to deal with that sin. That's my situation. He describes that, but the, the, the emphasis, I'm describing that so that God can provide. God can give me some direction. Um, well, I, I like where, you know, you know it, he goes with that, but before, before I get there, just I remember going to a nursing home, talking to this lady who was about 95 years old and um, could hardly hear, and I screamed in her ear, you know, just, how do you, she was reading her Bible, and so I said, how do you survive? How do you live this life? And she looked up at me and said, just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. And I thought, that's not true. Really? That, that can't be right, but you're, you're not right. I'm glad you had just a little talk with Jesus. But there's still such pain and agony day after day after day. But as the more I talked with her, the more I understood that little talk with Jesus that she had every day did change things. It gave her confidence. God knows my situation. God knows my afflictions. God knows my pains. God is helping me. I'm trusting him to see me through this. And so she really knew a lot more than I did, thinking through that. This little talk with Jesus, though it doesn't remove all of these situations and all of this pain, it does give perspective. It allows me to see God sees. It allows me to know what it's like. It's, uh, it's like when you go to counseling. Anytime you go to counseling, well, the first thing counselor is going to say, whether you go to your parents or your friend or pastor or whoever, what's up? What's the situation? Describe that to me. What does it look like from your perspective? And as you, you frame the situation... It helps you. You're starting to articulate what's going on. They're starting to see, and they interject some stuff. It re that little talk does start to make a difference. And that's what I think the psalmist is doing. He's having that talk with Christ. Christ is hearing that situation, and then it leads him into verse 14 to ask requests, to make a request. Urge God's help. Verse 14 as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. So deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face to shine upon me, your servant. Save me in your loving kindness. That's, you know, save me from my sin. Save me from my enemies. Verse 17. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them be silent in Sheol. Let the, the lying lips be mute, which speak arrogantly against the righteous with pride and contempt. What's the difference between complaint and request? You see, if he, if he just described the situation, that would just be a complaint. But it goes really beyond the complaint to a request. God, I, I don't want to just tell you my situation and just keep talking about my situation. I want real help here. I request, I urge you to deliver, to let me see your face and let me see your salvation. Let me see you redeem. Let me see you make a distinction between me and the unrighteous, even in the grave. That in the grave in Sheol, 
I'll be the victorious one because you've been my deliverer. They'll be the silent ones now envying me because I have all of heaven to enjoy with you. He begins to see that, God, that's where I want to go. I want to go to that life where the best is really yet to come. It's, it's with you in heaven, in glory. Lord, do that for me. Let my trust be completely in you. Um, God encourages that. Describe your situations and then ask. Okay, I get your situation. What are you asking for? Do, do we get to that place where we, we ask God? This is what I would like to see. And not only now, but in the future, in Sheol, in glory. Do we take it to the place where God is even glorified, which is his next section? You see, he's on this path. I, I want to make a request that God wants to listen to. Do you pray those kind of prayers? God, don't let me just pray. Let me pray a prayer you find pleasure in answering. If you can pray what pleases God, you're going to get answers. You pray the will of God. God encourages us to pray, to ask. Uh, let me show you a few passages. Look at Matthew chapter 7. This is famous passage of Christ urging us to pray. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, it will be given, and it's present continual action verb ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you seek and keep on seeking and you will find knock and keep on knocking it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened um that's so cool that we have a god who is commanding us urging us i don't know how to say it stronger to pray is it ask ask of me i want to do something seek not keep on doing that i i like this time with you where you come to me and you ask and you seek you knock you, you're looking for me to do something in your life christ saying and that's my delight that's why i'm asking you to make this a continual part of your lifestyle you just constantly coming. Look over at Luke 18. A little parable Christ gives on prayer. Luke 18. A little more shocking, perhaps. Luke 18, verse 1 says, Now he was telling them a parable to show them at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. You ever feel like you're losing heart? Well, you should be praying all the time. Not losing heart. Verse 2, saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God, did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling. But afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, in other words, in other words, I'm not interested in justice here. But, verse 5, Because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming... She will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will, you not, now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? Christ is saying, Listen to what the judge said. That's my point. I'm trying to illustrate 
how I want you to always pray. Why do I want you to always pray? And then he gives this illustration. It's like, look at this lady. The reason this lady got results is because she, she was a pest. She bothered the judge to no end. So that the judge, even though he didn't want to answer, he, he, he did what she asked because he just wanted to see her go away. He said, I want you to get a grip on how much I want to be bothered by you. Bother me. Be like that woman who's constantly saying, I will wear God out with this request. This is a request that's just, it's right, it will please him, and so I'm going to keep coming to him. If you go to the God who is just and right and pleasing, will he not respond? God says, I really like you asking me for stuff. Ask for deliverance, ask for salvation, ask for redemption, ask for glory. See me deliver. That's exactly what the psalmist was doing. That's exactly what we were encouraged to do. So be careful of what I'm trying to say. Is don't merely complain to God. Don't just get where you just describe your situation. Make a request to God that is a right honorable, godly, glorifying request. And once you're convinced that what you're requesting is what God wants for his elect, for his child, then bother him with it and keep bothering with it. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking until you get that deliverance. We have a refuge in God and he wants us to take that refuge and get that relationship with him. After you get that, and you see, and, and by the way, back in verse 16, make your faith to shine upon your servant. I mean, to get an Old Testament mindset, uh, we give you that sometimes in the benediction, the Aaron's benediction back in Numbers. Uh, may, may the uh, Lord bless you, Lord keep you, Lord make his face to shine upon you. That's what the psalmist is using here. Make your face to shine upon your servant. The Old Testament mindset was, if I see God, what's going to happen? I'll die. Because he's holy and I'm not. And when his holiness confronts my sin, I will perish. But the great passion and desire was that we would be able to see God without perishing. Make your face to shine upon me and let me see a smile. Instead of seeing wrath, instead of seeing destruction, let me see salvation and redemption. And the psalmist convinced, that's what I'll get with my God. Make your face shine, and instead of judging, saving. And we get that salvation in Christ, that Christ took God's wrath so that we might have his smile. We might have his pleasure. What a beautiful thing. What Catch that, that, that we're those chosen people who can see God and not die. Be saved and be those who enjoy his love and kindness. When you get that, that he's doing that for you, you want to give him glory. Verse 19. How great is your goodness. So you, you're starting to get it now? He says, I'm getting it. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, uh, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you. Before the sons of men. Stop, think about that a minute. 
We could easily turn, I don't have time, but the Romans too, where it talks about uh, those who are non-Christians, they're storing up for themselves the wrath of God. So the non-Christian has an eternity where God's got this storehouse of wrath to pour on them. But God says to us, his chosen ones, he says, how great is your goodness which you have stored up. God's got good for me, but he's got even more good stored up. And he encourages me to store up, lay up treasures in heaven, which is why he says when I get there, the best is truly yet to come in that regard. He says, because eyes not seen, ears not heard, all that I've prepared. I've been storing up stuff. How cool is that, that we've got a God that is storing, making preparations. I go to prepare a place for you, and I'm storing up stuff for you, and it's really good. That's the goodness of God. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you. By the way, you see this, don't you? Refuge, taking refuge in God's a command. That's just right to do if you have God as yours. Be foolish and be sinful not to take refuge. Uh, verse 20, you hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of men. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has made marvelous his loving kindness to me in a besieged city. As for me, I said in my alarm, I'm cut off before the eye, for your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried to you. Uh, again, just to think through, uh, God has not only stored up goodness, he's got secret places. And these secret places can conceal us from the enemy, from things that would be bad for us. And God can just take us and shelter us from all that he needs to shelter us from so that he can continue to preserve us and give us all the good things that he wants for us. Secret riches. Says, People don't see them yet, but I got them. And I'm going to give them to you. And I'm going to protect you for them. And I'm going to even put you in some secret places at times to just keep those who are against you from, from getting. Does God care? Does God care? We, we have not even tapped into how much God cares and how much he is still doing for us. Knowing that, give God glory. That's where the psalmist goes. He says, oh, it's just marvelous. His loving kindness is so great. He just wants to praise God and to thank Him. And then he concludes, verse 23 through 24. Oh, love the Lord. So he's, now he's, he's turned maybe to his kids, to his wife, to his family. Oh, love the Lord, all you His godly ones. The Lord preserves the faithful and fully recompenses the proud doer. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. All, your, all you who hope in the Lord. This journey to God and back is really good. You need to take the same journey. You need to recline into the arms of God. Enjoy His comfort. Frame your situation. Urge His help. Uh, give Him the glory and encourage those around you to do the same. You know, do you ever just stop and admit you need help? I hate that. You know? Somebody said, hey, can I help you? No, I got this. Can I help you? No, really, I got this. I'm going to do this if it kills me. You know. That's the proud man. 
learn to humble yourself and say, no, I do need help. And I especially need God's help. And once I've found it, you say, you know, you need it too. To encourage others to go to God and get that wonderful hope that he gives. I just want to encourage you to use Psalm 31. Rehearse it. Make it one of your go-to psalms. We need a refuge. And God provides that for us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for just a glimpse into how much you care, your love, your grace, how much on a daily basis you desire to be involved in our lives and to make us different from the world. So many times we envy vain idols, the things the world is consumed with. When you have goodness stored up in secret places undisclosed, just for those that you love. Lord, we thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Forgive us for trying to do this life so many times in our own strength. We need you to be our strength. We need you to be our rock, our fortress, our refuge. Father, may we not be ashamed to declare that, to live that, and to enjoy that. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Got one other passage I want to share with you.